0: Is underway. This is Sportsnet Today. It's Logan Gordon along with you. We're coming to live from the Doug Lacy's Basement Systems downtown studios here in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Busy hour one in the books. NHL news, Stanley Cup final reaction, Blue Jays chat with Sho Ali. All of that will be available on the hour one podcast, which will be up momentarily wherever you get your favorite podcast. Alongside my outstanding producers, Callum and Cam, on this Tuesday afternoon. Still lots to get to here in hour two. We have more details coming down on that massive three-team trade between the Flyers, the Blue Jackets, and the LA Kings. So we'll get you that coming up in just a little bit. Plus, uh, also a Stamps Report coming up with Patty Dumas and Matt Rose as we get set for week one. CFL action Get going! Uh, gets going Thursday night at McMahon Stadium. With the Lions and the Stamps. So we'll get the latest from the Calgary Stampeders uh, a little bit later on this hour. But uh, right now, very excited to uh, continue our Tuesday tradition. Uh, it's time for the WPCA Report.
1: It's time for the World Professional Truck Wagon Association Report. Here are the latest updates from the world of the WPCA and exclusive interviews with the biggest drivers in the sport.
0: The WPCA Insider Report is brought to you by the World Professional Chuck Wagon Association. Racing to the Century Downs Racetrack and Casino World Finals, August 23rd to 27th. Get your tickets now at showpass.com. And joining us for our WPCA Insider Report this Tuesday, very happy to go down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline and welcome in Chance Vegan this afternoon. Chance, thanks for the time, man. How are you today?
1: I'm good, buddy. The sun is shining. I'm smoking a cigar, watching the horses lounge around the pen. They uh, they deserve a rest, and they're enjoying the the
2: weather here.
0: Great to hear, my man. And uh, look, congratulations, your winner on aggregate uh, at the Grand Prairie Stompede. Uh, a great weekend for you in Grand Prairie. Just uh, talk to us about the, the week and the couple of days you had out there in Grand Prairie.
1: Uh, day one got off pretty slow. The track was playing a little heavier to where we ran, and um the outfit didn't respond to the heavier going and we were about sitting 22nd 23rd and then we we switched to the shorter barrels and that outfit is is really popping for me right now and we made up a bunch of ground and were able to hang on to the aggregate which was um the ralph vegan memorial award which is named after my grandfather so that was super special winning that award and and being from grand prairie and having some friends and family in the crowd that was super awesome and then as you know, you get into the dash and, and anything can happen. It was a pretty wild race, and I was I was fortunate to come out on top.
0: Uh, over the course of the five days, Chance, I'm curious, how much reaction and, like, reading reaction are there with your, your outfit on a day-to-day basis, whether it's changing up horses, changing up strategy? Do you really go into day one with an open mind and then sort of make adjustments as the days go on?
1: Well, the whole sport is read and react. The thing about a wagon race is you can have a pretty good idea of how things are going to go in your mind, and then when the horn blows, you can throw all that out the window sometimes. (laughs) It's like Mike Tyson said, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. Yeah, This is very similar. And, I mean, a good example was I just had two amazing runs with this short barrel outfit that I elected to go with in the dash, and when we pulled in the first time, the right leader got pretty amped up and i don't know if it was the crowd or what yeah or just the situation and he went in the air and cost me a two-second false start and i didn't see that coming at all right so mm-hmm. the whole sport is read and react and that's what makes it cool and, and challenging and exciting
0: uh, a great start to the season for you obviously this year but you had a great year last year as well which started off uh with a win in Bonnyville, and that's where you're off to this week what is it like for you chance to get a good start off to the season how important is that uh, when you're looking to get through this summer grind well
1: it's everybody it always feels good to get the ball rolling early uh, we've typically trained um a little bit more passively we take like a slower approach and i thought we had trained very similar this year and i think typically we're mid-season form uh before they peak i'm going i'm talking like pinocchio calgary middle of july yeah. when they start really rounding into form for me so It's exciting to see your name at the top of the standings. But with that being said, it's very hard to stay on top. There's a lot of good outfits here. There's a lot of very capable drivers. Um, I'm excited to get to Bonneville. We're going to try to defend things there. But I'm going to try to rest some of these guys that really ran hard. Some of these horses, uh, they they really surprised me. I knew they were good and they were training well, but... They totally blew my expectations out of the water here. So I'm going to give them a rest and try to get some of these other horses in a few races and, and get them rounding into form.
0: How many do you uh, take with you in a, a period like this, Chance, where you've got a quick turnaround from Grand Prairie into Bonneville? Uh, say again? How many horses do you bring with you on an outfit like that where you would go from Grand Prairie into Bonneville? I know there's not a lot of time in between for you guys there.
1: Yeah, for sure. I, I've got 23 here, and I'm going to... Cut things down to about seventeen once we get on the road. Okay. So yeah, it just—it all depends on what you're, what you got clicking for outfits. And some horses after training, um, first year horses just look like they're going to need a year off and I'd like to see some more weight on a few, and then typically we'll just turn them out and and give them another year off. We just spent two months training them. We're getting them used to the wagon, uh, getting them used to hearing the crowd and all the noises that come with, you know, being at a stampede and being at a big event, and they'll be better for it next year.
0: Uh, Chance, you mentioned obviously winning a trophy that's got your family name on it. So impressive. You're a third-generation driver following in the footsteps of your dad and your grandfather. Just talk to us about... tell the listeners a bit about what it's like to be in a family of of drivers and legendary drivers too in this uh you know your dad and your grandfather have such great reputations as well and now you're doing it over the years it's got to feel cool to continue on that sort of tradition in the family hey
1: yeah it is what it is uh i don't i don't think about it a whole bunch and i'm proud to to i'm proud to say that ralph the grandfather he had a pretty big career and he affected he had a lot of influence on a lot of drivers especially in the Grand Prairie community and same with my dad more on the outriding side of things but uh, a lot of people looked up to him for advice when it came to the sport um but yeah just in general it's it's very tough sport to get into if you don't have some family ties i mean j- jumping in a truck wagon and hooking four Thoroughbreds and going as fast as you can around a figure eight pattern and half a mile track is not something that most people just decide they want to do right yeah like, a lot of these guys have have family ties or or friends that have family that kind of get them into it it's it's not for everyone but no i was blessed to have been born into the game i, I love it a lot and it's it's starting to go good for us so we're, we're having a lot of fun with the sport right now
0: is it a, still a family affair for you how many uh, other members of the vegan family are out there with you on any given week
1: not a lot of vegans around, um, but with that being said, Ray Carrado Jr. is a cousin of mine, so yes. that would be the closest thing I have <laughs> to the family on tour. We just, uh, we're kind of doing our own thing and with our own camp, and lots of family reach out via social media and, and whatnot, but once we hit the road, it's you, the crew, the Outriders, and uh, my wife, Brianne, and she's all good.
0: And I guess that's probably family enough when you guys spend so much time together and uh, all your outriders and everything together out there for, like we said, it's a quick transition from Grand Prairie and all of a sudden you'll start the entire summer. I imagine that turns into family all the same once you spend so much time together, Hey,
1: Yeah. And you just don't have a lot of time for anything else with, with, like I said, around 17 horses down the road and, and advertisers that you need to communicate with and maybe show up at some PR events and do some marketing. There's not a lot of time in between to do much of anything, hang out or what what have you. I try to shoe my own horses and and be hands-on. So this is a full-time job, no doubt.
0: Uh, Your WPCA profile says that you like to get out and golf. How much golfing do you actually get to in the summer times in Alberta uh, in between all the racing?
1: Well, if you look at the last date on our WPCA schedule, maybe a couple days after that is when I'll (laughs) shake the dust off the golf club.
0: (laughs) That's about about the last time, yeah. If the yeah. weather prevails, I'm sure. Exactly. Yeah. So not a lot of time in between there. Uh so next up like I mentioned bonneville a place you had uh, a lot of success and you mentioned you're going to change up some of your horses. Uh just some expectations from you guys heading into a another race here real quick chance.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty confident with the horses we're going to go off barrel 2 and barrel 4. Um just the barrel three outfit is going to have a, a couple of new ones on it. Um, none of the horses on the outfit ran in GP. So they may not be as sharp uh, out of the gate, but they are talented. So a little bit of an unknown there. But with that being said, they trained really well this spring. So I'm excited to see what they have to offer.
0: Chance, uh, really appreciate the time. Thanks so much for hopping on with us. Congratulations uh, to you and your team on a great start in Grand Prairie and a best of luck in Bonneville and uh, the rest of the summer. Thanks for uh, some time today.
1: Hey, no problem. Anytime, and uh, have a nice day, and we'll see you down the trail.
0: You too. Take care. Chance Vegan joining us down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon. He was your aggregate uh, winner at Grand Prairie in the WPCA Chuck Wagon Association, uh, which just went last weekend, and now into Bonneville at the Bonneville Rodeo, uh, the Bonneville Chuck Wagon Championships running June 8th to 11th that is your WPCA insider report it's brought to you by the World Professional Chuck Wagon Association racing to the Century Downs Racetrack and Casino World Finals August 23rd to 27th get your tickets now at showpass.ca and a reminder you can head to wpca.com and check out all of the races coming up this summer we mentioned a quick turnaround for chance and the riders there you're going from Grand Prairie which just ended on the 4th of June into Bonneville Part of the Bonneville Rodeo Chuck Wagon Races June 8th to the 11th. You can head to the WPCA.com website for ticket information if you're happening to be out at one of these events as you're getting out in the summertime in Alberta. Uh, Dewberry's got one. Medicine Hat. Pinocchio's coming up. Uh, you've probably heard of the Calgary Stampede. Rangeland Derby. You've got the Battle of Foothills just in High River coming up in July. Strathmore, Dawson Creek, Rocky Mountain House and all of it rounding out to the Century Downs World Chuck Wagon Finals, which will be at Century Downs Racetrack and Casino in Calgary, August 23rd to August 27th. So any different ticket events, these are not just for the Chuck Wagons, but a chance to go out to some of these different rodeo events in some of these small towns or some of these places uh, around Alberta. We know listeners here on Sportsnet 960, not just in the Calgary area, We're all over the province, and if you're going to uh, check out some of the chuck wagon races and maybe want to check out a different venue than the Calgary Stampede this year, the WPCA.com website is the place to go and check out uh, profiles on all the drivers and check out where they're going to be throughout the summer. Again, that's your WPCA Insiders report for this uh, June 6th. This is Sports Night Today. It's Logan Gordon along with you. Uh, continuing a story we uh, broke back in hour one of the program here, uh, a massive three-team trade in the NHL today that we're getting more details on uh, as it breaks down. It is the Philadelphia Flyers, the Columbus Blue Jackets, and the LA Kings uh, coming together for a three-team trade. The main piece being Ivan Provorov traded to the Phila- uh, traded from the Philadelphia Flyers to the Columbus Blue Jackets. Flyers getting a first-round pick and a second-round pick from the Columbus Blue Jackets in that trade, along with Cal Peterson and Sean Walker from the LA Kings. The LA Kings portion of this trade, as of right now, just includes 30% salary retention on the last two years of Ivan Provorov's deal. So once again, uh, to go through the details of it, I know it's a bit confusing with all three, Uh, teams involved here, but let's uh, try to break it down for you once again. Columbus acquires Provorov from Philly. Flyers get a first-round pick and a second-round pick from the Columbus Blue Jackets, along with Cal Peterson, the goaltender, Sean Walker, the defenseman from the LA Kings, while LA's portion of the trade right now is just 30% salary retention on the Provorov deal. So LA essentially... Working out cap space to move out Peterson and Walker. Uh, Columbus giving up a couple draft picks to bring in Provorov. Uh, Part of this LA movement of salary, uh, according to multiple NHL insiders, uh, sounds as though they are working towards a Vladislav-Gavrikov extension. So that's what they will be using that money for uh, in LA is to re-sign. Gavrikov, who they got from Columbus, Back of the trade deadline It's really just a giant circle Because that first round pick That is going to Philly From Columbus Originally belongs to LA So that is not the third overall pick In the draft Which is Columbus's They got the first round pick For Gavrikov At the draft They're now At the trade deadline Excuse me They're now flipping that uh, pick As part of uh, the deal To to Philly To get Provorov So Lots going on here and not to mention uh, one of the guys that's been on this trade, uh, David Pegnoda from the fourth period, along with Elliot Friedman. Uh, Pegnodas reporting that uh, this uh, Carter Hart uh, may be on the move from the Philadelphia Flyers as well at some point today. So could be the first of many major moves coming from new Flyers GM Daniel Briere Provorov out. Perhaps, perhaps, no official word on this yet, Uh, But perhaps we sit here and say uh, Carter Hart also could be finding a new home today. And uh, it's making a little bit more sense. It's a little bit more clear now. When we were initially talking about this trade, we didn't have details on those draft picks. And a couple of people had texted in at 960960 saying Columbus just pretty much got Provorov for free. And that's how it seemed at first. But now it's uh, definitely looking more like uh, they've had to give up a couple of draft picks to get this deal done including that first-round pick from L.A. and a second-round pick. Kings giving up Peterson and Walker to retain 30% of Provorov's deal, and now Provorov finds himself potentially uh, as the top-pairing defenseman in Columbus alongside Zach Werenski, and, of course, joining Mike Babcock, who were are expecting to be the new head coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, by the end of the month, and Johnny Gaudreau, of course, the former Calgary Flames superstar uh, who finished up year one in Columbus in disappointing fashion. They were in the process of looking like they could win the um, the Connor Bedard sweepstakes. They did not, and uh, now they're finding other ways to bolster their team. Does this mean a, a trade could be in the works when it comes to their third overall pick if uh, contending now is what the Blue Jackets want to do? I don't know. I know that's a story we've talked about here in Calgary a lot, but um, whether Columbus is really willing to come off of that pick now, knowing they don't have a first or a second round pick, uh, that's something we're going to have to wait and see. But clearly uh, the Blue Jackets with uh, signing Johnny Gaudreau, signing Eric Branson last summer, going out, getting Babcock this summer, getting Provorov already this summer. I think that answers the question as to where Jarmo Kekalainen feels his team is at going forward. Uh, He expects some results, and look, this is probably the last head coach that Jarmo Kekulainen gets to hire as a GM of the Columbus Blue Jackets uh, unless this team is able to see some significant uh, improvement in their results and maybe even uh, a trip back to the playoffs sooner than later. So that's the latest news, Uh, Jeff Merrick. Uh, coming in with those draft pick details. So once again, laying it out for you in this three-team trade. Columbus gets Provorov. Philly gets a first and a second from the Columbus Blue Jackets. They get goaltender Cal Peterson, defenseman Sean Walker from the LA Kings, and the Kings retain 30% of Ivan Provorov's deal. He still has two years remaining on his contract, and the LA Kings, with this newfound cap space, We'll look to re-sign defenseman Vladislav Gavrikov. I think that's all. I think that's it for now until a Carter Hart trade drops, and I have to, to go through all the details of that. That's the latest that I can tell you right now. Um, we're still waiting to see, again, with that report from David Pagnota, uh, does ring true and we get a Carter Hart trade. That would signal full fire sale for the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, a team that probably a year or two late on that process when, you know, Claude Giroux went down, uh, or excuse me, when Claude Giroux got traded his way, made it out of town. Uh, Sean Couturier has been down there for a couple years. Things just haven't worked well for the Philadelphia Flyers. They've, you know, obviously swung and miss on the Nolan Patrick uh, draft pick. This is a team that's desperately needing to inject some youth into their team. They've got a couple of, Interesting young players in in Farabee, Travis needs a guy a lot of Flames fans like and, and have talked about. Are those guys that we could see on the move? I know for sure you're going to talk about. You know, is Kevin Hayes a guy that Daniel Briere can move out uh, as they really try to shake things up in Philly uh, and try to start this thing anew under a new president of hockey ops in Keith Jones and a uh, a new uh, I believe just heard just a president in Keith Jones and. Uh, a new GM and Danny Breer. Seems so like some major changes coming right now for the Philadelphia Flyers. And uh, like I mentioned, if we do get anything else on the Carter Hart news uh, during the show, we'll uh, react to that live for you uh, right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. we got to take a break. We will come back on the other side. Uh, we got to get a Stamps report in. Uh, Dumont and Matty Rose back at Stamps practice today. They are in action Thursday as they get set to kick off the CFL season against the BC Lions. We will have the latest from Stamps practice coming up uh, around the corner. Keep it locked right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.
2: You're listening
1: to Sportsnet today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960
3: The Fan.
0: We are already wrapping up our two busy day here on Tuesday. This is Sportsnet today from the Douglas Lacey's Basin Systems Downtown Studios. Logan Gordon along with you. We got Cam in the building. Callum's here. Azam's here. We're rocking out on a busy Tuesday. Stanley Cup final reaction. Big three-way trade in the NHL. And we have got Blue Jays news coming down. Ahead of their second game against the Houston Astros tonight at the Rogers Center, which, by the way, you can listen to right here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. The Jays have made the following roster moves. Chris Bassett, reinstated from the paternity list. Infielder Santiago Espinal has been reinstated from the 10-day injured list and will be active for tonight's game. Bowden Francis has been selected to the Major League roster and will be active for tonight's game. Ernie Clement, optioned to AAA Buffalo. Jay Jackson option to AAA Buffalo, and the big piece of news, Alec Manoa has been optioned to the Florida Complex League after another disappointing start for the Jays' opening day starter. Alec Manoa now down to the Florida Complex League. If you're unaware, uh, it's a rookie-level minor league baseball league that operates uh, in the spring training or the grapefruit league. Uh, training complexes of their major league baseball teams. Uh, there's uh, no charging for admissions, no concessions. It's just a, uh, a league for players to go in and operate out of those facilities during the year. So that's where Alec Manoa will head down. He'll join the uh, their version of the Toronto Blue Jays uh, to try to get his game back in order. It's been a brutal start to the year for Alec Manoa. Um, like I said, managed to get just one out last night against the Houston Astros, and with the Jays lacking options behind him, some wondered what was going to happen for Manoa. This seems like the best course of action for the struggling Jays picture. Uh, The right-hander just hasn't had it as of late. Uh, He's allowed eight of nine hitters uh, to reach base Monday against the Astros. They tagged him for seven hits and one walk, including a grand slam. Uh, Manoa finished his rookie season with a 3.22 ERA. Um, Last season, he moved it up to a 2.24 ERA. He was third in AL Cy Young voting. He was their ace heading into this season, but nowhere near that this season. He's gone six innings or more in just two of 13 starts. In his three most recent starts, he's gone a total combined uh, seven and one-third innings. That is not good enough for Alec Manoa. Uh, He needs to get things back on track and perhaps uh, a trip to the Florida Complex League will do that. He is from Florida, uh, of course, was an 11th overall pick by the Jays in the 2019 MLB Draft and uh, was in the big leagues just two years later, making his debut on May 27th of 2021. So uh, time for a reset for Alec Manoa and the Blue Jays. Uh, But they will continue their series against the Astros tonight with uh, Kevin Gosman on the mound. 5.07 first pitch. You can listen to the game right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan or watch the game across the Sportsnet television network. It's an off day for the Stanley Cup Finals today uh, with the Vegas Golden Knights going up 2-0 on the Florida Panthers after a big win last night. Uh, We heard earlier from Bruce Cassidy of the Vegas Golden Knights, obviously. They're feeling pretty good heading into Thursday's Game 3, up 2-0 in the series and heading to Florida for Game 3, what about from the Florida Panthers side of things? How's Paul Maurice and his group feeling? Uh, now down 2 nothing to the Golden Knights in this year's Stanley Cup Final. Uh, we'll hear from the Panthers head coach here following last night's loss against the Vegas Golden Knights.
1: I know you guys want to be physical, and I know you're going to probably take umbrage with some of the calls tonight, but is there a line for you guys where there have been times this year where penalties have been a problem? Obviously, it's been a, a, a big storyline through two games here is there a line that you guys need to kind of work with there
4: well the power plays are 2-1 vegas through 36 minutes it wasn't a discipline what happened after that i won't debate left side paul
0: ryan Clark, espn you look at the night sergey had gives up four goals what was your thoughts about his play, the play in front of him? And then when you look at Game 3, yes, there's still time. Is Sergei still the choice going forward, or has tonight given you something to think about?
4: I don't know. I'll sweat about that one for the next two days. We can be a little better in front of our goaltender. He's been unbelievable for us. So I got him out to keep him rested.
5: Right side, front row.
4: Dave Hyde, uh, South Florida Sun Sentinel. could you just... Talk about you guys have come back before in series, the Boston series. What has to change for you um, in the big picture for, for to come back now? No, nothing from the last. I mean, I, I guess the uh, parts of our game that we know we can improve, we're going to have to get to real fast. There's, there's no doubt about that. We'll have a uh, pretty simple game plan. I, I don't think it's about scoring goals in this series because I think. Uh, it's about defending the rush, and we weren't great at that tonight.
2: Left side, third row, Jameson. Coach, uh, just
1: uh... any updates on Radko Gudis? And oh, just looking at him, though, just how important is he to you guys and what he does back there? Well, oh, he's really important.
4: You know, we, we've—he's—he's a, he's a force, but he's also a much, uh, a much better hockey player. He makes the—he uh, makes the highlight films because he's such a physical guy, but the quality of his play is very, very high. So you miss a guy like that when he goes out. Left side, second row. Paul Tom at NHL.com. I think it's maybe like five or six goals have come on your goalie being screened, and a few of them by your own players. Mm-hmm. What's what's the issue there? What do you see? Both three inches. We're just we're, if we're going to be there, you got to block them. We got to get in front of those shots. So we're we're and they're working at it. They're trying, but we're both three inches off on those shots.
0: There you go. That is Florida Panthers head coach Paul Maurice. uh, Just a couple minutes with the media last night following his team's loss. And look, Florida looks all sorts of out of sorts. The Vegas Golden Knights have taken advantage of a number of different things. The physicality hasn't bothered them. They've gone to the front of the net better than almost any opponent that the Panthers have faced through three rounds of the playoffs. And uh, they've really chased so far the biggest deciding factor that Florida has in this, and that was goaltending. Um, when you've got Aiden Hill in net, with all due respect to Aiden Hill, you know has he been good for them? Sure. But has he been the game-breaker that Sergei Bobrovsky's been? No, absolutely not. And the Vegas Golden Knights have done a very good job of making Sergei Bobrovsky look <laughs> human, mortal, whatever word you want to use for it. And uh, I mentioned the stat yesterday when we were heading into Game 2. They are undefeated when scoring three or four goals uh, in the playoffs this year. So if you're the Florida Panthers, you're going to have to try to bear down defensively, and you might not have Radko Gudith along the way to do that. He's been one of the more important guys, clearing the front of the net, making space for Sergei Bobrovsky to see those shots. Uh, If he's not available for this team uh, at any point during this series, it's going to be a major loss. We talked about Florida's blue line sort of exceeding expectations throughout these playoffs. Well, they've kind of come back down to earth, especially in this series. Brandon Montour hasn't been nearly as effective. Um, Aaron Eckblad, who's been, I think all right throughout most of the playoffs, isn't having the same sort of impact. And they're just really not a deep enough team. I think to lose a guy as important as Gudis right now, they went 11 and seven last night and that probably helped them. But can you go 11-7 and seven if Gudis isn't available? Probably not if you're Florida. So uh, on top of that, I think part of it needs to just get away from this after the whistle stuff, the frustration with the referees. It, it is what it is. I, I think after two games, it's pretty clear that Vegas isn't going to play that game with you and is okay with you guys being... You know the agitators, the the guys after the whistle they they're not really concerned about that sort of stuff. They seem more concerned, and rightfully so with what's happening on the scoreboard, and Vegas, when they're up three nothing or four nothing in a game, they're just not going to get engaged, and even if they do by that point in the game, does it really matter? Do you need to be worrying about uh the agitating side of things or poking a stick or getting involved in it? you're down You're down four nothing. You need to change the tide between whistles, not after them if you're the Florida Panthers. So they've clearly got the talent. We know that Matthew Kachuk's been a massive game breaker for them through three rounds, but so far uh, the Vegas Golden Knights have done a very good job of shutting down Florida's key players. So they'll have to see, I'll have to see a major change come game three for me to think that this series is going to take a different direction because right now Vegas has looked as good as any team has against the Florida Panthers at this point. And uh, look, it goes without saying, that Game 3 is obviously a massive game in any series, but if you're down 3 nothing to this Vegas team, uh, you're talking, you know, good night Stanley Cup playoff chances. You might have been able to come back uh, in dramatic fashion against the Boston Bruins in round one. But first of all, you don't want to put yourself in that position if you're Florida again, uh, because I just I don't think you're going to like the result uh, this time around. Uh, Again, game three coming up on Thursday, an extra day of rest for both of these teams as they uh, travel to Florida uh, for the next two games of this series. We'll, of course, have all the coverage right here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Uh, I promised you a Stamps Report. Uh, It's time now uh, to hear that. Uh, Patrick Dumas got today's Stamps Report. Uh, Stampeders getting set to take on the BC Lions on Thursday. They were back at practice. Let's get caught up with Tuesday's edition of the Calgary Stampeders Report. Under sunny skies
5: at McMahon Stadium, the Calgary Stampeders continued their prep for Thursday's season opener against the BC Lions, and one player that made their return to practice was starting left guard Zach Williams. The Winnipeg native has missed most of training camp with an arm injury, and Coach Dickinson talked about what it's like having a guy like Zach back
2: in the fold. It's good to see him. He's, you know, he's he's got an arm injury, so we'll see how it plays out, but I was happy to see him out there. It's been a while. Um,
5: Talk to him, but we'll see. Yeah, it has been a while, but having a key starter back, even if it's for a couple reps, is big for that whole offense. Shifting over to the defensive line, Mike Moore back in the rotation for the Stamps after retiring just before camp. Dave touched on what he's seen from that group so far.
2: The group's been good, and uh, the addition Mike Moore here practicing uh, is going to give us even more options. So it's a good group, though. There's, you know, you're fighting hard for playing time in that group. and Now, when I say that is we didn't really touch their quarterbacks last week. We did not touch them. So. You won't win if you don't hit the quarterback. And one of those guys tasked with getting
5: to the quarterback is James Vodders back with the Calgary Stampeders after spending the past four seasons in the NFL. Our Matty Rose had a chance to speak with Vodders after practice.
2: We're getting set for uh, the week one game. You've got your walkthrough coming up on Thursday. Just tell me about how this week of preparation has gone. as you getting ready for uh, this first game of the CFL season against the Lions?
6: Oh, that's good. I mean, hopefully we have a, a similar carryover from camp and uh, just try to be on top of all our things mentally and uh, play with high intensity and uh, get a win.
2: What are those things that you kind of have to keep on top of over the course of camp? you got a couple of new faces, yourself, uh, Julian House is in, but you've also got a lot of returnees.
6: Um, I mean, luckily we have a lot of veterans on the D-line, so I think that we all understand how everything goes and be able to work together well and uh, understand our opponent.
2: Do you feel like the D-line is kind of a strength of this team that you can really kind of get things started from that position and and build from that? Well, at the
6: end of the day, it's about winning games. So, like, it doesn't matter how strong you are in one position, we have to all be one as a team. And I think that comes from communication and familiarity with each other and everything. So I think uh, I'm way more concerned with just how we play as a full team, offense, defense, special teams, than any strength of any one position.
2: No, you have a uh, Great Cup rings, Then you went down to the NFL. Now you're coming back. Like, is that that's obviously the ultimate goal? But do you set any personal goals throughout the course of a season?
6: Um, no. I think sometimes when you have personal goals and you have a certain schedule that you have to be on to meet those goals, sometimes it creates a little bit of thirstiness, a little bit of anxiety, a little bit of going a little bit far outside of what your job is to try to get stuff done. Like. My thing has always been I approach every play the same way, every game the same way. And uh, if you plan on winning and you plan on giving your all to win every time, then uh, hopefully we'll get
2: the result that we want. Now, you pr- probably know a handful of guys that were here. Have you noticed, like, changes coming back to the team as far as the growth of players or the growth of coaches or perhaps the building or anything like that?
6: Um. Well, obviously, for someone to still be here that was here when I was here before, uh, they ha- You have to grow, and it's good to see that um, guys have stayed. And, you know, Coach talks a lot about culture. And uh, I think culture is something that I understand is really important to win because I think that's what we had. We won the Great Cup that year, so I think making the most of that culture
2: I think is the best thing that we can do. Tell me a little bit about Juwan Simpson as a defensive line coach, kind of getting into a new role here. Of course, was a player in the CFL, but how's that
6: been? Well, it's been good. I think he's pushing us, and he has high expectations of us. And... Um, he communicates us in a way that, that we're, we understand as a being a player. So I look forward to having a great season with
2: him. Awesome. Best of luck against BC. Great. Thank you. Last time Vodder suited
5: up for the Stamps was 2018, the Grey Cup game in Edmonton. We all know how that one ended for the Stampeders, so definitely good to see James back here in Calgary. The coach tasked with getting the D-line cranked up and ready to roll for Thursday night is former Stamps All-Star linebacker Jawan Simpson. And I had a chance to speak with Jawan following practice about what it's like being back here in Calgary now as a member of the coaching staff. First time back at McMahon as a coach. How are
3: you feeling? I'm super excited. I'm super excited. But for me, it's, you know, I'm just here in the atmosphere. The, the guys are going to go out there and actually work. So for me, it's a good feeling. Uh, Talk about your time
5: down in Alabama coaching high school and then coming up to how did you get the job here in Calgary? How did that all come apart?
3: Uh, Well, just kind of, you know, I would would be in touch with Dickey in off seasons really since I retired. And uh, he always tried to get a feel for what was going on. And, uh, you know, I'm all about opportunity and uh, when opportunity presented itself and, you know, I guess the stars aligned, everything kind of worked in place and I felt like this was my time to come.
5: The interior as a whole, Mike Moore back in the fold, a lot of veteran presence. You have options. Like, what do you? How do you feel? You're like in your group right now?
3: I feel real good. You know, being a being a rookie coach here, um, you know, you always kind of wonder what kind of guys you're gonna have. But hey, th- these guys are great. They were great before I got here. Um, so, like I say, they they they're the guys that's putting in the work, and I'm just here to to kind of navigate this ship however I can.
5: The opponent this week, the B.C. Lions, uh, you got an athletic quarterback across from you in Vernon Adams. What's the key into shutting uh, him down? He had a, had a pretty good game there in that final preseason game, obviously not the number ones, but how are you uh, going to your best to try to attack uh, Vernon Adams on Thursday?
3: We're just doing our jobs, uh, you know, playing assignment football. You know, Vernon's a great quarterback. Uh, he, he runs around well. He, he makes good throws on the run. Um, so I think it's very crucial that you know, we do what we're supposed to do. We do what the game plan says, and uh, hopefully we come out on top.
5: And Dave mentioned that he uh, now that he's added the role of general manager, he's kind of been all around the coaching. You know, he's been in the secondary, been in the D line. How do you like him uh, not just working on the offense, but on the defensive side of things as well?
3: I mean, hats off to him, man. He's, he's been around a lot of football. Uh, he's very knowledgeable of the game, offense and defense. So it's just always good to, to hear another opinion uh, from somebody that saw so many defenses and not calling him old, though. <laughs> but somebody, that's, you know, saw a lot of defenses and it's just great to hear his opinion.
5: Juwan is excited, and he's got a lot of talent at his disposal to work with on Thursday. It'll be a walkthrough for the group on Wednesday before the Stamps and Lions kick off the 2023 season for real on Thursday at McMahon Stadium. With your Stamps Report, I'm Patrick Dumas.
0: Thank you, Patty, and thank you to Matt Rose for today's edition of the Stamps Report. Once again, Stampeders and Lions, Thursday night from McMahon Stadium, 7 o'clock kickoff. Should be a great one up against the BC Lions. and. Uh, we talked about this a bit yesterday, following the stamps report. Uh, lots of drama around BC right now. After uh, Jonathan Kongbo was traded to the Hamilton Tiger Cats, I believe it was Farhan Lalji of TSN who said that who came out on Twitter said, "Look, there was a bit of a difference in. Um, uh, it, just, it wasn't Kongbo wasn't really a great fit in the BC Lions locker room. Didn't fit with their culture. Uh, Kongbo came out on Twitter saying." Yeah, I guess if not fitting in the culture means calling out star players and, you know, asking why guys aren't at practice or why guys aren't working out, I guess that's what not being part of the culture in BC means. Um, Keon Hatcher would reply to him on Twitter saying, are you sure it has nothing to do with you just not being in the D-line rotation and not getting, uh, you know, enough snaps during practice? That's why you were all unhappy? So it's been a bit of a weird back and forth all of a sudden for the BC lions. And uh, we mentioned this yesterday, they brought in Kongbo back from an NFL stint, which meant they released veteran pass rusher, Sean lemon formerly of the Stampeders, And now they're down a pass rusher heading into week one. Haven't heard any news as to whether or not they've reached back out to lemon. Would he even be willing to go back to BC after they unceremoniously let him go? For another player that's no longer with the organization, I I really don't know. Um, But it's a piece of drama that the BC Lions are trying to navigate ahead of their Week 1 matchup against the Calgary Stampeders, and we'll see how Kongbo uh, is able to fit in in the culture with the Hamilton Tiger Cats after being traded for a conditional pick there uh, following his quick stint back in the CFL, at least with the BC Lions. Uh, Week 1 coming up, like I said, on Thursday. That kicks off the CFL schedule Uh, And then games Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. You don't want to miss it on Friday. Bo Levi Mitchell takes the reins as the Hamilton Tiger Cats starting quarterback for the first time as they're in Winnipeg to take on the Blue Bombers. There's a 6.30 kickoff on Friday. On Saturday, it's the Ottawa Red Blacks and the Montreal Alouettes. Uh, News today out of Ottawa that Jeremiah Masoli will not be ready to start the season. He is going to uh, miss at least the first two games They have an early Week 3 bye. So Nick Arbuckle, again, the former Calgary Stampeder quarterback, uh, will get the Week 1 start for Ottawa when they take on the Montreal Alouettes. And finally, Sunday night uh, in Edmonton, the Elks look to end their long home losing streak. They'll be in tough uh, as they welcome in the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And uh, Game 1 for Trevor Harris as the starting quarterback of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And we always know uh, the green and white travel well. Into Alberta, I'm sure it'll be a handful or probably more uh, than that when it comes to Rough Riders fans in attendance for Week 1 Riders and Elks from Commonwealth Stadium on Sunday at 5 o'clock. That'll wrap up your Week 1 schedule, Week 2 for the Calgary Stampeders. Sees them again on Thursday. Hope they like Thursday night games. It'll be three in a row going back to the preseason uh, because they will also kick off Week 2 with a Thursday night game against the Ottawa Red Blacks in our nation's capital. They uh, finally get off the Saturday train uh, on the 24th when they're back in McMahon to welcome in those Saskatchewan Roughriders. So uh, a little bit of Thursday ball for the first couple weeks for the Stampeders, uh, but should be a great season. Looking forward to uh, more Stamps reports, more content from Maddie and Pat as uh, they bring you the latest uh, on the Calgary Stampeders with our Stamps reports every single day right here on Sportsnet today. Make sure uh, to catch them live or on the podcast. Uh, Wrapping things up. On a uh, busy show today, we've had lots going on. We've heard from both coaches following uh, the game last night, Game 2 of the Stanley Cup Final, 7-2 win for the Vegas Golden Knights. We talked some Blue Jays baseball with Show Ali and then got the news that uh, Alec Manoa has been optioned to the Florida Complex League uh, as uh, look he tries to rehab what's been a brutal start to the season for him. The Jays are in action tonight against the Houston Astros. 5.07 first pitch with Kevin Gosman on the mound. Listen to it here on Sportsnet 960 or watch it across the Sportsnet television network. We dove into that a little bit more as well. We had a WPCA uh, Chuck Wagon report with uh, Chase, uh, Chase, Chance Vegan joining us uh, a little bit earlier. And we've been all over uh, this massive three-team trade between the Columbus Blue Jackets, the Philadelphia Flyers, and the LA Kings, which is finally official We've been piecing this together for the last two hours. And finally, the Kings and everybody giving us full details. So this is it. You've been listening for the last two hours. So you listen to hour one, and you said, you got like 5% of the trade earlier. Uh, here is the finale of all of this. We finally have the details. God, it took forever. We were piecing together. Just okay, is it a first? It's a first? No, it's, no, it's a, this, the first. everything else. And a, and a sec. <laughs> but it's it got more complex because the pick... That gets traded was from L.A. originally. It's it's all it's all crazy, it's all, it's all it's just it's all there. But here's what it is:
2: it's a good old June trade.
0: Yeah, it's it's good news. I, I like to talk about it. It's just it got it got crazy. Uh, okay, so here's what it is: Philly trades Provorov, and uh, uh, so Columbus will acquire Ivan Provorov and Kevin Connaughton. The Flyers get the twenty-second overall pick, which was originally. The Kings pick. They also get uh, a 2024 second round pick in the deal in 24 25. They're getting Cal Peterson. They're getting Sean Walker. They're getting prospect Hegel Gronz. And the LA Kings will retain 30 percent of Ivan Provorov's contract. He's got two years left on that deal now. Heading to Columbus, um, and that again, that LA Kings pick that is now in position with the Philadelphia Flyers went to Columbus as part of the Vladislav Gavrikov trade at last year's trade deadline. Now with some open cap space, moving Peterson and Walker to Philly, the LA Kings expected to re-sign uh, Vladislav Gavrikov ahead of free agency. So uh, it was complicated, but we got there, and we got our first major trade of this NHL offseason. And uh, David Pegnoto, who was all over this trade before, uh, has also mentioned today that he thinks that the – Philadelphia Flyers have a deal for Carter Hart in the works, so perhaps another major change coming from Daniel Briere and the Philadelphia Flyers. So that is something to watch for uh, as the week continues. We got to get out of here, and we've had a busy show for you. I appreciate you listening, whether live or on the podcast. Thank you to Show Ali for joining us, Chance Vegan for joining us. Uh, thanks to Matt and Pat for the Stampeders report today. Thank you to my outstanding producers, Cam. Uh, Callum and Azam for all their hard work today, really appreciate that we will be back tomorrow, same time, same place, right here, your home of the flames this is Sportsnet 960 the Fan.